good to see everybody this afternoon. We're on a 13-week series called Surviving Suffering. We're presently traveling through the book of Job for 13 weeks. Uh, Joseph Carl was a Puritan, and he wrote um, a huge, huge documentary on the book of Job. And the reason why is because he preached on it uh, for 21 years. <laughs> so I have no sympathy on you for 13 weeks. It's not even 13 years, but 21 years is actually one of the greatest works um, that was done over at one specific book and one specific section of the Bible. But uh, Joseph Carl is absolutely amazing. But don't worry, 21 years is a little bit too long for me. 13 weeks, we'll be working through it. But as we're working through Survive and Suffering, uh, last week, or the first week we talked about, we need to understand its origin if we're going to survive it, survive it healthily. Uh, we need to embrace God's unconditional love if we're going to survive it. To survive suffering, we need to look for answers bigger than our questions why. If we're going to survive suffering, we need to cry uh, to God by placing your pain specifically on Him. Now, when we're looking at the topic of suffering, it does send us a whole bunch of different areas, and the reason why it sends us a bunch of different areas is because uh, suffering, um, everybody has their own story. They have their own area of where they're suffering. They have their own dynamics. So when you start talking about suffering, uh, this suffering is different than the suffering that has taken place over here. And we have been talking about the individual, describing the individuals that uh, the sermon will be focused on uh, today. And uh, just describing the person that we'll be talking about today is somebody who has, carries a deep, deep depression. Suffering is so deep that it has pulled them down to the ground where they do not want to get out of bed in the morning. They don't want to even be around people. They, don't, they just are completely wiped out by the suffering that is there. Somebody who has a deep grieving. Somebody who just got, received horrific news. Somebody that received some news that has just completely and entirely crushed their spirit and they feel that weight. Somebody who's possibly lost a, a loved one. Possibly lost someone who is, um, is a child. Somebody who's even younger. Uh, somebody that's going through chronic pain, somebody um, who has um, a child with a disability. We know that when our children suffer, it's like the worst pain that we can possibly even imagine. So looking at this person, let's talk about how do you survive suffering if you're being faced with this? Number one, to survive suffering, you need to find an ear that doesn't speak and open open up your heart to a God who has something to say. We're working through this sermon. We're going to do two different areas. We're going to talk about the people that you need around us and the God who has something to say. But let's first talk about the people, the kind of people that we need um, around us. We're going to pull out one passage. It's going to be Job 2, 11 through 13. And after reading this passage, uh, we'll see how the entire book um, unfolds. Again, we're going to travel all the way through the book of Job. But we're going to take this passage to launch us forward in traveling through the book of Job. So let's read the passage and then we'll continue to go. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that he had come upon Job, they sat out for their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and to comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. There's not a lot of good stories in the book of Job. There's not a lot of good principles that you can even learn in the book of Job. A lot of wrong behaviors, wrong actions. But I'll tell you that this is a golden passage. And the reason why it is a golden passage is because Job's friends are doing absolutely everything right. Now, of course, they get a bad rap because we look at the whole book, but his friends are doing absolutely everything 
right. What do they do? 13. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Something called silent support. And it carries a stronger power than anything else. Stronger power than any sort of words. What is silent support? Silent support is literally just being there around somebody who is suffering so bad. It's literally just sitting with them, serving them, silently praying, or even praying out loud. Saying words, but the words are very few. Very, very few. And just words of encouragement. Presence carries a power, more power, than any word that can even be spoken. If you look at studies on suffering, and this is in psychology today, it's like, how do you work with somebody in suffering? Here's some areas, what they say, of how to work with somebody. Be there. Listen. Don't judge. Avoid offering advice. Be patient. Give them room. Cry with them. Just give them a shoulder. There's also been studies on what not to do in regards to somebody who suffers. One thing you don't want to do to somebody who's suffering is you don't want to give them advice. You don't want to say that, I know exactly how you feel, because their comment to you, even if they don't say it off their lips, is like, no, yeah, you don't. And it even kind of makes them mad. You don't want to give them reasons for the suffering. You don't want to bring up the word sin and start saying, well, you know, we've got to talk a little bit about sin, and this is just what happens. This is the result. And give explanations of, of why they're suffering. If you notice in that passage that we just read, their friends were not doing that. For seven days, Job's friends We're not doing that. What happened after seven days? Here's what happened. Job 3, 1 through 3 says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And then he said, and then he went into a dialogue of what he said. Is that wrong? Absolutely not. Why? Because Job is the one that is suffering. And Job's pain is literally coming to the surface with somebody in the room. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this. Job does, needs to speak. He needs to talk. He needs to work through his suffering. He needs to get through it. But I'll tell you that the book goes really sour, really, really fast. And here's where it starts. Then Eliphaz the Timonite replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? My daughter and I, Maya, were hiking the Rogue River Trail, and as we were walking, uh, we found a rattlesnake right on the trail, and I ran into him first, and when I first saw him, I, I said, get a stick, <laughs> and, uh, and she says, get away, <laughs> and she, she started running the other direction, and I said, no, get a stick, and I grabbed a hold of a stick, and when I got a hold of a stick, what did I do? I, I poked him. And as I was poking him, he would just get mad and angry, and his rattle started going like crazy, and his mouth was up, ready to bite. And I say, Maya, Maya, come here, come here, look at this, look at this, check this out. And she said, Dad, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And uh, I sat there and I played with it, she had nothing to do with it, and then he went away. After he went away, I talked to my daughter and said, boy, you're kind of upset. And I said, Dad, why did you do that? Why did you poke the, sta- the snake? Why would you do something like that? And and I had to come up with an answer. The only answer I could come up with is, is because I'm a boy. <laughs> you know, all boys cannot walk past snakes without poking them. And that's just the way, that takes, that's the way it takes place. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you're sitting with somebody in silence, you just got to say something. You just have to say something. Why? Because we're human beings. 
And when we're sitting with somebody in silence, it just has got to come out. And we see it in this verse. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, if someone ventures a word with you, you said it, Job, you will be impatient. In other words, behave yourself when I tell you what for, Job. But who can keep from speaking? I will take the responsibility and I need to say something to you, Job. And then the fight's on. You just poked a snake. Because when somebody is suffering and you start to throw the advice, what takes place? Well, same thing Job says. This is what takes place. Now you too have proved to be of no help. Well, he's helped for seven days, but he just proved himself. Why did he prove himself? Because he opened his mouth. You see something dreadful and you're afraid. Teach me. Now be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong and how painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? Do you see Job response? Do you see Job react? Well, Bildad, if they're going to sit there and argue, well, Bildad's going to have something to say. At first, so far, now it's Bildad. Bildad, the Shuite, says, how long will you say such things? Your words are blustering wind. Job's got to respond because he's human. I loathe you with, ver- with my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out of the bitterness of my soul. Zophar responds back again. Are all these words go unanswered? Is this talker to be vindicated? Will your idle talk reduce men to silence? Will no one rebuke you when you mock? Of course, Job's got to respond back. Then Job replied, Doubtless you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. But I have a mind as well as you. I'm not inferior to you. How? You, however, smear me with lies. You worthless physicians, every single one of you. If only you would be altogether silent for you, that would be absolute wisdom. Eliphaz the Timonite replied, Would a wise man answer with empty notions or fill his belly with a lost, hot east wind? Would he argue his useless words, his speeches that have no value? Job, what do you know that we do not know? What insights do you have that we do not have? Of course, Job's got to reply again. <laughs> I have heard many things like these. Miserable comforters are you. Will you long-winded speeches never end? What, ail you, what ails you that keep on arguing? Then Bildad's got to keep on going. When will you end these stupid speeches, these senseless ones? Be sensible, and then we can talk. Why are we regarded as cattle and considered stupid in your sight? Job then replied, How long will you torment me and crush me with your words? Zophar's got to continue to talk. My troubled thoughts prompt me to answer because I am greatly disturbed. I hear a rebuke that dishonors me, and my understanding inspires me to reply, therefore I will not shut my mouth. Sorry I added that, but that is what is there. Then Job replied, listen carefully to my words. Let this be a consolation to you to give me. Bear with me while I speak, and after I speak, you just go ahead and mock on. You ever seen a soap opera? <laughs> it's kind of the emotion, what's going through the book of Job. We've got to talk. Somebody's suffering. We've got to talk, and if somebody's talking, well, we've got to respond. If we don't respond, we just take it and we absorb it, but we come out to our lips because we have to speak. You know, Job, all the scholars say, is Hebrew poetry. Uh, it's more like a Hebrew drama. I mean, don't listen to them, don't listen to me, but it's more like a Hebrew drama that is literally taking place because they don't only have the wrong words, they have the wrong methods in regards to helping somebody that is comforting or that is struggling. But it doesn't stop there. In fact, the drama is just getting started. A guy named Elihu, he was one observing all this. And as he was observing all of this, well, you can't be quiet. 
you got to say something. So here's what Elihu says. So there were three. So these three men stopped answering Job because he was a righteous in his own eyes. That's not a compliment. It's a put down to Job that says, well, he won't listen to what we have to say. So righteous in his own eyes, so we're just going to keep our mouth shut, and he could just live with his misery. But Elihu, son of Barakal, and the Buzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends. This guy, he's angry at absolutely everybody because they had found no way to refute Job, and yet he condemned him. Now, either who had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he, but when he saw that these three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barakal, and the Buzite said, I am young in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age would speak. Advanced years should teach wisdom, but it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, listen to me. He just needs to shut his hole, but he doesn't know how. For I am full of words, and the Spirit is within me, compels me inside. I'm like a bottled-up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips, and I must reply. But now, Job, listen to my words. Pay attention to everything I have to say. I am about to open my mouth, and my words are on the tip of my tongue. My lips sincerely speak what I know. It's a bag of hot air. Pay attention, Job. Listen to me. Be silent. I will speak. If you have anything to say, answer me. Speak up, for I will tell you what I will. I want you to be cleared. But if not, then listen to me. Be silent, and I will teach you wisdom. Then Elihu said, he just doesn't stop. Hear my words, you wise men. Listen to me, you men of learning. For the ear tests the words as the tongue tastes the food. <laughs> he is a poet. So, so listen to me again, you men of understanding. If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I said. Elihu continued, bear with me a little longer, and I will show you that there is more to be said on God's behalf. I get my knowledge from God, and therefore I must transfer it to you. Listen to me, Job. Then Elihu was done. Chapter 38 starts with God grabbing a hold of the microphone. And the first words that he said, Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, Who are these people who darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? If all the way through, 36 chapters of men speaking and speaking and speaking, and God's response to them, Who darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Now we're going to get back to that verse, but before we do, we need to look into see what you need when you are suffering. Here's some principles of suffering needs. Number two, suffering people do not want a mouth. They want an ear. Talking is therapy. Listening is work. And the reason why talking is therapy is because when we speak, we get healed. When we speak, we get connected. When we speak, we literally relax. When we speak, there is something that happens to us that is absolutely strong and powerful. The person that's suffering needs to speak. Why? Because he needs to heal. He needs to get connected. She needs to relax. She needs to have peace. She needs to have rest. The person that's suffering needs to speak, and the reason why is because they are the ones that need to be touched. 
But if somebody is suffering and there's silence in the room and it's driving somebody crazy, it's like, well, I've got to speak. I've got to give advice. I've got to move. I've got to say something. They don't need a mouth. They need an ear. Therefore, the goal of somebody being in the room and comforting somebody is to give them an ear and try to pull out of them so they can have an ear. If you speak, you ask questions for the purpose of trying to say, you need to speak, you need to walk through this. And I am here, and I want to do nothing but listen to you. Because in the process of listening is going to be the process of healing in regards to the person that is suffering. Number three, suffering people do not want an answer. They want a shoulder. People are suffering. They need to survive it. They don't need to understand it. Being with them, just their presence literally gives them strength. Answers do nothing more than usually mess it up and hurt them worse. My wife and I get in the Rogue River Trail or hike in the Rogue River Trail. This is when we were a lot younger, and I will tell you that when we were out there, um, it was cold. Um, it was really, 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 really cold. It was in the spring, and there's big old snowflakes falling down, and snow's not as bad as snow mixed with rain, extremely wet and damp. It's 40 miles. It's her and I, and as we're hiking, she's cold. I mean, she gets cold at anything, but she's extremely cold on that trip. And as she was cold, I, I needed to help her. I needed to comfort her. I needed to give her some advice. I gave her good advice. I said, if you want to warm up, you just need to walk faster. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't go over well. But if you think that is good advice, because it does warm you up. It does get the blood flowing, but it was not taken well. <laughs> there was another time that we were rafting and she was freezing. I said, you just need to paddle harder. And I will tell you, those answers never give well. She does not need an answer. She needs a shoulder to walk with her as she's carrying the suffering. Answers don't fix. Number four, suffering people do not want counsel. They want compassion. If somebody is suffering horrifically, what are you going to say to help them? Would you say something like this? It's not as bad as you think it is. <laughs> think about it. Think about the person that is suffering and hearing the words, it's not as bad as you think it is. Um, could be a lot worse. I mean, is that a good word? Is that, is that gonna really going to help him? Uh, what doesn't break you actually makes you stronger. <laughs> is that exact words that a sufferer needs to hear? I mean, I really don't know what to say when people suffer, but it seems like these are words that um, automatically want to come to my mouth. Don't worry. They have gone to a better place. Should you say something like that who lost their mate? Say something like that who lost their children? Well, what, what do you say? What about, I know exactly how you feel. And you know what's in their mind if it doesn't come off their tongue is that you don't understand how I feel. You don't understand how I feel. Everything happens for a reason. There must be a reason that's taking place. Or when you get to heaven, don't worry, there'll be no more pain. Are these words of comfort or are these words uh, poking a rattlesnake and making them really, really mad, which is actually hurting even worse? They don't want to counsel from people. What they want is they want, they want compassion. But again, it's so hard not to speak. And as you're suffering, I think that we would all agree, is you don't want to hear any of these words. You don't want to hear the words as well. Surrounding yourself with people that says, I am going to give you compassion rather than counsel. If you're suffering, that's where we need to go. Number five, suffering people do not want advice. They want a person's presence. You know what the best thing you can do for a sufferer? Is you can be with them in a room completely silent. You know what the hardest thing there is for you to do when you're with a sufferer is to be in a room with them when they're completely silent. 
If two people are in a room and one is horrifically suffering, just like the seven days it took place here with Job's friends, it is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And the reason why it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world for the person who's not suffering is because you are literally entering into their pain. They can't speak, otherwise they would be. And since they can't speak, that pain is so deep, but your presence says something. And what it says is, I will bear the pain with you. And believe it or not, if you even look at studies, it relieves pain. To know that somebody is standing with you in the way that it releases is it offers that person strength that that person must have. But boy, is it difficult to sit there in silence. It's so much easier to fill the room with conversation. But the power literally does come in the silence. So looking at this last part, what is God um, involved, what's God's involvement in suffering? Number six is suffering as, as a God topic, not a man topic. Therefore, you need words of consolation from God, not man. There's things that men, people need to do when somebody is suffering. But there's something that God needs to do when somebody's suffering. What man needs to do is something. What God needs to do is something, but they have to be completely separate, completely split. Let's just look at this point. Suffering is a God topic, not a man topic. What are you talking about? Well, just to kind of prove the point is that Jody and I, my wife and I, we were at a ball game, a soccer game um, this last week. And as we were at a soccer game, you know, we were with, you know, high schoolers, adolescent kids, and they were talking, and they had no idea we were even around. But as they were talking, it seemed like the F word left their mouth about every single, every other word. And, uh, and their vocabulary was very, very limited. I mean, as they just continued to talk and talk and talk and talk, my wife and I, we look, looked at each other and say, and I, I said to her, you know, that's the same words that we used when we were back in high school that he just consistently heard, and that's the same talking. We haven't been around it for a long time. It's a consistently talking, and we started thinking, does that ever change? Is there any other words that they can come up with besides the F word as they're sitting there talking and they're using it over and over and over and over and over again? Is there any other creative method in a hundred years and a thousand years will that change? And the answer is what? The answer is no. It will never change in a thousand years. Why? Because there's another word that's often coupled with that word and a word that is consistently used um, with people's mouths when people go through suffering. And the word is G-O-D. It is God used in a scenario of, of swearing. So what happens is the suffering is a God topic. It's not a man topic. And the way that it is a God's topic is that whenever you suffer, you instantly start a conversation with God. You instantly have him on the tip of your tongue, whether it's in vain or whether it's a cry for help. It consistently comes to the end of your tongue. The end of your tongue. And if you look at uh, the Old Testament law, which is given to us 3,000 years ago, this Old Testament law says, you only got 10 of them, and what is one of them? Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Why would you fill that one? I mean, is it really that bad? I mean, give this the explanation, the dynamics of why God would even put that one in the Ten Commandments. The reason why it's in the Ten Commandments is because all of us are going to suffer. And every time we suffer, what's going to happen? God's going to be addressed. God's going to be addressed. In fact, as he's saying, you're going to suffer, all of a sudden, I'll be at the tip of your tongue, I'll be at the tip of your mind, now the conversation needs to come with me. Now, this is talking about atheists or not. This is talking about somebody who believes in God or not. This is talking about all the people out there, even from different countries. This is a word that is used where they have nothing to do with God. Everybody believes in God when suffering takes place. 
whether they reject him like crazy or not. Whenever suffering happens, God is the topic. Even if you have a perpetrator, do you ever notice that? We don't even scream at the perpetrators. We scream next right into God because suffering is a God topic. September 11th, the country turned to God as we suffered. World War II, the country turned to God as we suffered. School shootings, God's name is brought up. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to curse his name or you're going to ask for help. But a discussion is always going to be there when suffering happens. So then the question would be, well, which direction am I going? Which direction am I not going? Well, the direction you're not going is you're not going to people. You're going to God, whether in a curse or whether in a cry for help. Let's look at this last part. Therefore, you need words of consolation. That's not consolation. Consolation is the man. That's the ladies. It is the person that is supposed to give consolation to this person. Consultation is from God. Is not man. It's consultation. What is consultation? The action or process of formally consulting or discussing. In other words, let's talk about it, God. You know, we bring him up, but it's let's talk about it, God. Let's discuss what has taken place. Let's discuss what is what is happening. Consulting, this is consolation, comes with the word consulting as well. What does a consulting mean? It means I am going to give you expert advice. That's what consultants do. Do you know what takes place in our suffering? Is God as a consultant going to give you excellent advice that is beyond the entire realm of your perspective? The entire realm of all perspective that you have no idea what is happening and what is going on, and he's going to give you expert, sovereign, even advice in the process of suffering and give you things that you would not even completely come up with on your own. Consultants do what? They pull from their experience. I tell you, God has a lot of experience. The the industry, their understanding, and problem-solving abilities to offer the most valuable help you can possibly ever give. Do you know what? There's a God that wants to offer you the most amazing help that he can ever give. The most amazing help you can possibly ever give. He wants to bring consultation to you. What do you need to know? God knows it, and he'll give it. What do you need? God has it. It can be handed to you. What are you looking for in suffering? God can provide it. God has something inside that he's wanting to give every time the person goes into silence during the process of suffering. He wants to literally say a word. He wants to say something. Whenever we suffer, God wants to say something to you. How do we know that? Job 38. Let's go back to our verse. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? In other words, I'm counseling. (laughs) I'm talking. I'm speaking to Job. There is communication that is going on that nobody understands. And all you humans believe that there's understanding that goes away. Well, the whole book was set up for this principle. The whole book was set up as God makes a deal with Satan. Everybody knows why Job is suffering. But as everybody knows why Job is suffering, the guys on the ground don't know. But God is still doing something through the process. Who is this that darkens my counsel? I am counseling you while you're suffering with what God says. And then he questions, who are you that are counseling without knowledge? Literally saying, well, you're not sovereign. You're not in control. The people out there that have their voices, they don't understand. They don't understand purpose. They don't understand the dynamics of what's going on inside of you emotionally. They don't understand the concept of it. 
but God does. And then we get Job's response at the end. Job repents in dust and ashes, meaning he receives something from God at the end of the book. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you, God. He heard something during the book, but the words were not the cluttered words of man that were spoken. The words were specific words from God. And we don't even know exactly when he got all those revelations that literally even took place. Yes, God gives revelation at the end, but as he's given the revelation at the end, it's not the only end that he receives. He's given revelations all the way through the process of his suffering. Next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the cross inside of Job. He is speaking specifically about the cross as he is speaking. So just to summarize this, number seven, a person's ear, shoulder, presence, and compassion coupled with God's words is a formula you need to survive suffering. Do you need people in your suffering? Absolutely. Why? Because you need an ear. You need a shoulder. You need presence. And you need compassion. You have to have people while you're suffering. But coupled with God's word is the ultimate, words is the ultimate formula that you can put yourself inside of. The clearest picture that we have of this is in 1 Corinthians talks about the church. What is the church? People are the hands. People are the feet. People are the hands. People are the feet. People are the shoulders. People are the strength inside the church. And Jesus Christ is what? He's the head. You need two of them. You need the people, and then you also need the head. You need God to speak. You need God to talk. You need God to comfort. You need to hear his voice during that process And therefore, surround yourself with people that are not speaking, but people that say, I will give you my shoulders as God gives you the words. God, we just pray that we be empowered to um, open up our ears to you specifically, that we'd remove, God, um, the busyness of the world as we suffer, the craziness of the world, the craziness of the situation, the craziness of the circumstances, and just listen specifically, God, to you. We also pray, God, that we would be surrounded by people, God, that will give us their shoulders, surrounded by people who will give us their time, give us their presence. God, surviving suffering is not easy, and we need a package. And God, the package is people, and the package is your word. I just pray, God, you would just grant that to each person that's walking through suffering. Love you in Christ's name. Amen.